Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. So we're going through the book of Genesis. I've got some some memes to share this morning because we all love memes. Oh yeah. Uh, Well, it's really grainy, so I apologize. Adam, at least my wife could not complain that I never listened to her. It's okay to laugh, by the way, in church, right? Like like Mike's joke about uh, tackling me, you guys could have laughed there, okay? Eve, I married what used to be the perfect man. All right, that's okay to laugh. Okay, next one, I like this one. Father, I am lonely. Please make me a companion. Sure thing, son, give me your ribs. Wait, what? I love the googly eyes there, that was, that's great. This morning, I'm gonna be sharing a message called There's Grace in the Unraveling. There's grace in the fall. And how many times in life have we went through relational difficulties where life seems to unravel and we don't know what to do? Where we look at these scenarios and you see no hope, no peace, no joy, nothing. Where relationships seem to fall apart. Maybe even the way you look at yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror and you see yourself maybe as a screw-up or somebody that's unlikable or somebody that's, that, that you feel maybe embarrassed about. We've all had moments like this. Maybe you've had these moments where you even have to start to question uh, God and say, where are you during this time? Are you even there? I'm not close to you. Why do you seem so far away? You know, when reading the book, of, of Genesis, in Genesis 3, I see broken relationships. I see relationships that uh, are unraveling. And we can all relate to some sort of broken relationships, am I right? Throughout our whole life, we've all had them. And in Genesis 3, we also see something about, about broken relationships. We see grace in broken relationships, which gives us hope. Because there's grace in the unraveling, there's grace in the fall. And let's remember that this morning. And my heart this morning is that you can do inventory of your strong and poor relationships. Maybe it's a friend or a past loved one. Maybe it's somebody that had authority over over you at some time in your life. Maybe it's even your spouse. Maybe your relationship with God is not a close one. Maybe you have a poor view of yourself this morning but there's grace in the unraveling. A major theme in the fall is God's judgment tempered by God's grace. Aren't we happy about that? How many times in life have we messed up, but God shows us he tempers it with grace? That the Lord responds to this human rebellion with just with such justice and grace. And there's grace in the ra- unraveling. There's grace in the fall. Do you love stories? How many of you love stories? How many of you read stories to your kids when, you, when, they, were, uh, when they were young? Maybe your kids are still young. You, I can still vividly remember the stories that I read to my, to my kids. Milk and cookies was a good one. I like milk and cookies. 
I'm sure all of you have like that special book that you just loved. I love the storybook Bible. The storybook Bible was a special one for us. Bible is, is awesome. I love the Bible because it tells a story. And as we learn from Genesis 1 to 11, chapters 1 to 11, it helps us realize why we need a Savior. And who's our Savior? Jesus. And what the Savior comes to do. And as we dig further into the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we realize how good the gospel of Jesus really is. You guys seem really quiet today. Is it just me? Too much sun yesterday or what? All right. Let's hear some amens and some, some exciting stuff. We, we, should be, we should be happy to be in church, shouldn't we? Not, grump, not grumpy neighbors. Come on. So let's do a quick little summary. Genesis 1, we learn of God creating creation. And we know the creator created creation because God told us so. He creates out of nothing. Pastor Mike talked about this. He barad, right? Creating something out of nothing. Remember the difference between barad and asa. Barad is creating something out of nothing. Asa is creating with things that already exist. And God creates good. He doesn't make mistakes. And he creates in his image. The earth is an accident. You are not an accident. We were created to reflect God's nature and character. And God creates good. And he creates in his image. We also learn in Genesis 2 about the fourfold relational harmony. Relationship with God. The earth, other, self. Something that we're going to be talking about thoroughly in my message. And the fourfold relationship is, is what, what is meant by the word shalom. Can everybody say the word shalom? Does anybody know what it means? Peace. We all desire peace in our life, don't we? It is what the Bible means when it talks about the kingdom of God. Shalom. And we'll be discussing this, like I said, thoroughly. Genesis Two, we also see uh, the only one command, which was you, cannot, you can eat any tree in the garden, but not from the knowledge of good and evil. And then we see the messing of the minds. Pastor Mike shared on the, on the serpent, on Satan last week, on the snake, and, and how he goes over time to mess with the minds of mankind. And here we learn what we would never have discovered on our own, that someone wants us to fail. An enemy is messing with our minds and he works by isolation and questioning and twisting. Chapter 3, verse 6. Let's, let's turn, to the, turn your Bible to chapter 3, all right? Genesis. If you don't know where Genesis is, it's the first book in the Bible, all right? Genesis 3. Chad's with me. That's good. 3, chapter 6, or chapter 3, verse 6. The fruit is eaten. Both eyes are instantly open. And they realize that they are naked. And shame kicks in. This morning we're going to focus on what comes next. So let's turn to chapter 3, verse 8. And it's one of the saddest stories to ever be told. And some would say it's quite emotional to read this chapter 
and others like myself find it a bit eerie. And as Daryl Johnson puts it, we are reading about the collapse of God's good world that he had a deep affection for, and it brought him such delight. How many of you have ever made something, and it, it's brought you such delight? How many of you have ever made something, and it's brought you such delight? Wow, I made that. It's like when you buy something from Ikea, right? And you make it. And after such a pain in the butt it is, you get so excited because I made that, right? It feels like Barad, but it's really Asa, right? Because the instructions are, are, are pretty lacking. You know, one thing, one thing that, that brings me delight about being at the church is that our church runs two camps. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of volunteers. It takes kids signing up. And what, what makes it such a beautiful thing and, and what, what brings me such, such joy is seeing kids come to know Jesus and with seeing kids' passion about worshiping Jesus. And I also love our volunteers. We've got amazing volunteers here at the church. Like, Mike's, like Mike said, we have about 100 that serve uh, uh, like w well in our church. We've got 45 that help in our kids' ministry alone. That's, that's amazing. That's God's grace. And what I love seeing about our volunteers who are so, like, just so gifted is seeing them use their God-given gifts for God's glory. Just seeing them in action, and they're crazy, and it's awesome. Get involved in kids' ministry. You guys should. I dare you. So my message is titled, There's Grace in the, the Unraveling. So let's, let's uh, read along from uh, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Let's think about this. Vivid. This is vivid here. As he was walking in the garden in the cool day, just imagine this. Doesn't this paint a beautiful picture? But then it says, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Not a beautiful picture. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said. Or the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. I'm reading from the NIV. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We'll be talking about that a little bit further. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Sorry, ladies. With painful labor, you will give birth to ch your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after, the, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the truth and the life, or way to the truth of life. And the cherubim here are supernatural creatures referred to uh, 99 times in the Old Testament where they usually functioned as guardians of God's presence. Here in Genesis, the cherubim guard the way to the tree of life, now forbidden property of God. Here in Genesis, this beautiful fourfold relationship between God, man, themselves, and earth has fallen apart. And what makes it so sad and eerie is that we read it for ourselves, and the imagery is so vivid, and it speaks such sad, sad truth, doesn't it? But as much as it is sad, uh, eerie, and frustrating, and painful, it's also a story of grace which is often forgotten. And this story tells us two things. It tells us what everybody implicitly feels. And number two, it tells us that the world isn't, it, it isn't the way it is supposed to be like. Isn't a sobering thought, isn't it? It's not the way it's supposed to be like. This text describes death, which wasn't supposed to be present today. In Daryl Johnson's book, The Story That Makes Sense of Our Stories, it's a book that we're basing our series around. He goes through chapter three, the fall, into two different lenses, and they both start with avalanche. Can everybody say avalanche? Avalanche, avalanche of sin, where the fourfold relationships unravel, and then the avalanche of grace. Everybody say grace. grace. There is grace in relationships. So let's look at this man's relationship with God. At the start of creation, the relationship was one of admiration, love, and joy, and freedom, and peace. And then after the fall, this relationship becomes one of shame, sadness, deceit, doubt, and even fear. In Genesis 3.8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't it interesting that these two, in their sin, they choose to hide from God, who created the garden? Think about this verse for a minute. They hear God walking in the garden. This is probably something that they heard quite often which is actually amazing opportunity, am I right? They, they would hear him walking around in the garden. But now, because of poor decisions, they can't enjoy that. They have to hide because they're fearful of what God's gonna do. It's quite humorous, am I right, to think that they would actually think that they could hide from God. 
perhaps God knows where they are and wants to give them a chance to come out. There's a few other uh, thoughts um, that, that theologians come up with, but I was just thinking, I, I think to me that, that that's where I would, I would lean. A once amazing relationship was now skewed. But just think about this. Even in our prayers, how many times have, have, have you been ashamed to tell God of, of things that you've done? Am I alone? Ashamed to tell the Lord particulars of your sin because we are too embarrassed. But guess what? He created us. So why would we be ashamed to tell God what, what we've done? Sometimes it's easy for us to hide, am I right? How about we try and tune in to allow what God is saying to us? Daryl Johnson says, we try and hide under the noise. We keep the radio and television on. We keep the iPod plugged into our ears. Now it would be ear, earbuds. And yes, sometimes we do this for good reasons, but often we do this as an unconscious attempt to silence the sounds of God. And I love this, walking in the places where we live and work. I was quite taken back by this quote, and I actually felt a fair bit of conviction because when I pray and when I'm reading God's word, I love to have music in the background, especially in, in, in my office. And, and Laura could attest that because she's my neighbor. She makes fun of my Google relationship. I always tell Google what to play. I love having music with at all times, I hate silence. I hate being by myself, which is weird. I'm weird. Amen. My wife would be like, preach it, brother, right? She wouldn't because she wouldn't say it like that. But Why do I have background music on? Why do I need music on even when I read the Bible? Because I don't like silence. But guess what? I want to hear God's voice, and I want to hear that audible voice to him talking to me, to sharing, putting things on my heart. Sometimes I hide behind the static, and I, and I can't do two things at once, like, like my friend over here, like, Dave, like, you are amazing. Like, man, people would leave if I did that. I can't do two things. I'm, I, I'm not my wife. My wife can but I remember I was having this fantastic worship session with Jesus. Have you guys ever had a fantastic, like when you're thinking back in your life, you had a fantastic worship session. you just like, oh man, I'm just really experiencing the presence of God. How many, how many have, can remember a, 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 just a specific time? Man, I was having this great time with, with Jesus. And I was, I was worshiping, which I, I, don't, I don't listen to worship music a lot, and, and I was, but I was really digging it that one day. The only thing was, I was driving at the same time. And I remember when I, when I got out of college, I became a, a, a chaplain in a, at a high school. So I was a chaplain to teenagers in, in, in a public school in a place called Beaver Lodge, and I was, I was out, um, I was, I was going to go pick up a student on the way to Grand Prairie and, and go hang out with them. And, and um, as I was in my car, I was, I was listening to just some really good worship music. Man, I got carried away. What happens when we listen to worship? We just want to spend time in his presence. 
and I realized that I had my eyes shut. <laughs> I had my eyes shut. And all of a sudden, I, re- I was reminded that I was reminded that I'm driving. And I, I woke up or whatever, and I was driving in the ditch of an Albertan highway. And there, it's really flat, right? So the high, the, the, the uh, what do you call it? The ditches aren't really like ditches like here. They're like, they're the size, the width of a, of a highway, pretty much, or of a lane. So here I am, I'm driving 100, 110 in the ditch, and upcoming was a driveway approach. Do you know what a driveway approach is? Yeah, uh, what kids would call uh, a jump, okay? And I panicked, and I hit the gas instead of the brake, and uh, you guys ever watched Dukes of Hazard? I'm aging myself. <laughs> there I am right there, a picture of me. I was driving, I forget what the car is called, but that, that was me. Generally, I was driving generally, just think of, uh, get rid of the orange, it was white, it was a Honda Civic, and I flew. I flew in the air. The view was pretty sweet up there. (laughs) Things that were going through my mind was, I can't believe I did this. Am I going to die? When I land, am I just going to, like, drive away? I landed, and my, yeah, I landed hard. Had some whiplash. And then I tried turning on the car to to drive out. Yeah, it didn't go anywhere. I totaled my junkie Civic, the Civic that my dad bought for me, and if my dad's watching, I don't know if I've even told you that story. So they're probably going to watch after their church service. Uh, Honestly, the blessing was I was in Alberta. That car didn't have heat, so I probably couldn't use it anyways. So I just just did a good thing, probably. Um... And I remember the tow truck driver, like, just in shock because he's like, he kind of measured. He said, like, I don't, I think he said like 100 feet. So, anyways, um, he thought it was crazy. Anyways, I'm a walking miracle. Okay, God, God, God's grace. That's right. Are you allowing yourself to hear Jesus where there is no background static? Are we hiding something from God? Are we like Adam and Eve, hiding? Do you try and hide in your busyness? Do you try and hide behind alcohol or drugs? Do you, do you try and hide behind skepticism? Do you try and hide by not accepting responsibility? We see in chapter three, who does Adam shift his blame on? On Eve. Eve blames who? The serpent. Adam even blames God. In verse 12, do we hide behind religion? You might feel that serving God will hurt your lifestyles and morals, so you want to invent a God that would be all accepting. I don't know if you have friends like this, I do, where they want the best and they want to get rid of the worst of what gods have to offer. But we have to realize that people in Comox Valley are searching, they're searching for truth. And many of my friends here, many of you here, have access to the truth. Know the truth. 
How can we go out of these church walls and live out to be fully devoted followers of Jesus and be followers of faith and live on mission? You know, I was playing, Tuesday, I was playing um, hockey on Tuesdays uh, with, with my buddy Aaron, Aaron B. Thompson as, as a musician, and uh, he goes here, and uh, I was playing hockey with him, and I was on his team, and, and I remember um, I, was, I was getting the ball. I was, uh, a guy was passing me, I was getting the ball, and all of a sudden this guy came up behind me and took his stick and lifted my stick, so he, would, he, he took the ball away from me. Guess what my first reaction was? To slash him. You guys shouldn't laugh, that's terrible. And instantly I felt this, that's not good. That's not good because I, I, was, I, was, having, I was having all these discussions beforehand about, about, hey, this is what I do. Normally it's a buzzkill that when people find out I'm a pastor, right? And I was sharing, I was sharing these I was sharing these, just things about, you know, about church or whatever, and instantly, if I would have slashed him, uh, there goes my witness. And I thought, I need to take a break here, even though I was proud of myself, because I didn't slash him, okay? Hopefully you don't feel ill of me. I just, you know, I like being honest. I play hockey to live missionally and for exercise, of course, because I need it. The second wounded relationship here is a wounded relationship with self. And I know this, this, sounds, this sounds kind of weird, maybe to you. It doesn't sound weird to me. But when you have a wounded relationship with God, you will most likely have a wounded relationship with yourself, with self. And this relationship will unravel right before your eyes and normally unravel before the eyes of others. I remember during COVID, my daughter said something to me that, that stuck with me. She goes, Dad, are you okay? Dad, are you okay? You seem really sad. And I remember like that, that cut deep. Even though I was feeling all these emotions, I was feeling loneliness, I was feeling anxiety and all these other emotions that were, that were just crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you, you experienced that during that time. But I, was, I, was, I, wasn't my, I wasn't myself, and other people were noticing that. And I was feeling discouraged, even how I felt about myself. And I knew I needed some help. And I got help. It's a rough one to go through when you have problems with self. Let's take a look at Genesis 2.25. I know, this is an awkward verse, I'm just going to say it. Adam and, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This was when their relationship with God was good. Enter separation from sin, chapter 3. God is walking in the garden, and they hid due to fear and shame. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? What do you think God was feeling at this moment? Extreme sadness. Extreme sadness. This new wounded relationship with God wounded their own relationship with themselves. 
And the only way to heal the relationship with self is to heal your relationship with God. Psychologists and counselors help dearly. And I encourage you to see one if needed. But God is the one true source to complete reconciliation. Am I right? How is your heart today? If we examine our heart, exam, examine your heart, how, how is your heart today? You know, I can struggle with relationship with self, and sometimes we are hard on ourselves for past mistakes or, or the words that have been spoken over you, maybe even lies, go, go on in your head and you can't forget them. And you start to believe them, these lies and hurts that have maybe been spoken over to you in time. You know, there's hope that we could, we could talk to close friends, that we could talk to a counselor, and we could talk to God. I'm glad for my good friend base in my life, people that I could go to in any times of trouble or any times of being praiseworthy, just people that will cheerlead, cheerlead me on in life. I'm thankful for friends like that, and I hope you have friends like that as well. If you don't, We'll be praying for you. The third relationship, relationship to unravel was relationship with others. And due to the alienation from both God and self, naturally, this will affect our love from others. Our love for others. Hurt people hurt people. Who's ever heard of that term? There's a lot of truth to that. Adam blames Eve, even though he should have owned up for what he did wrong. Now this blessed union that was so great is tenuous and things start to unravel. And in their family, it had a ripple down effect with their kids. Now how, how did God create human relationships in the garden? It was loving. It was compassionate. It was caring. It was no shame. It was being attentive and now enters a bunch of characteristics that can kill any relationships. We even see these characteristics today, and many, many of you can attest to those. No trust, hiding, selfishness, blaming, doubt, competition. We need to, we need to desire the good characteristics of loving others. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do we learn to love? We learn to love by the example of Jesus. Am I right? The fourth relationship with the earth unraveled. Daryl Johnson tells us that of Genesis 3, that spiritual, psychological, and relational alienation or separation that comes from sin also affects one's relationship with the earth. Verse 16, to the woman, there is going to be pain in childbirth. Verse 17, to the man, the ground is cursed. It will produce thorns and thistles as he tills the ground. These are all pretty heavy consequences. But where is the grace? You know, we say, we say there's, there's grace in this scripture. But where is the grace? Here's the grace. Even though the earth isn't the way it was originally designed, God still provides vegetation. 
He still provides the fruit. He still provides the animals. The salmon, the bears, the deers, whatever you guys hunt. And so much more at our disposal. Am I right? That's a sign of God's grace. God could have killed the whole earth to die, but he didn't. That is a sign of grace. Even though human relationships, in particular man and woman relationship, unraveled, people still desire to be with each other. When relationships get, get along, that is a sign of grace. Uh, two, two weeks ago, my, actually, I think it was last Thursday, no, not this last Thursday, but the one before, my wife, my wife texted me and said, hey, um, I've booked a place in Victoria. You and I are going to go out for Friday and take 24 hours together. To me, that was amazing. That was just an opportunity that her and I could just get away from the busyness of life, you know, the busyness of parenting as well, and just have a time for ourselves and just date, date each other. Enjoy breakfast and watching the water, taking a water taxi, you know, being a tourist in a place where she grew up in Victoria. That was a sign of grace. When we choose to put others first, that is a sign of grace. Where else is there grace? Does anybody know what the name Eve means? It's in the scripture. Eve means life. That is a sign of grace. The mother of all living. Even though this relationship between Adam and Eve was unraveling, her name meant living. That is grace. Even though these two were unraveling at the time, Adam still delights in her. God's grace is actually all over this story. And God has a way at meeting these two where they're at in all their shame. And he does something else very special for them. He makes coverings for them. I love this verse. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He covers them up not what he originally had in mind. It's such a beautiful verse if you think about it. Here's two that had it all and made a terrible choice, and here's God doing something for them to show his love, his compassion, and shows that he, he wanted to care for them in this type of need. In their rebellion, God showed grace and mercy. In our rebellion, God shows grace and mercy. Maybe you need God to put a garment of skin over you to bring comfort and support whatever you're dealing with. You know, many, many of us have struggled with, with the thought that our sin and our shame is too much. And maybe you're feeling that today and I pray that Jesus will speak to your heart today and breathe life and grace into your situation. As God was walking in the garden around asking, where are you? Why do you think he did this? Because he cared for them and he desired relationship with them. Do you feel God wanting your attention this morning? Do you feel, do you feel Jesus wanting your attention 
and something this morning. How are we going to respond? Even when God himself is looking for them, he asks, where are you? It has a question mark. It doesn't have an exclamation mark. Where are you this morning? What are the areas you are hiding in your life this morning that needs repair? How is your relationship with others? How, how is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with self, with the world? He doesn't want you to alienate yourself from him, from others, and from the earth. He wants you to be in relationship with community. He wants you to be in relationship with others. Where are we right now? We're at church. If we look around, we see other people of like mind. We have each other. He wants us to be in community with each other to encourage. So where do we see Jesus in chapter three? Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust, reading verse 14, all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Here we see God's grace outweighing all the bad. Here God promises that one day a child of a woman will come and do battle with a serpent. This child will represent the whole human race and he will crush the enemy's head. The serpent will try to hurt him, but he will overcome. Daryl Johnson states that this promise and its fulfillment is what holds the rest of the Bible together. So where do we see the serpent trying to kill and destroy Jesus? Through King Herod, when Jesus was a baby? Through religious and political authorities? And where else? The cross. You know, the effects of the fall are numerous. Sin affects every fiber in our relationships. All those four relationships that I mentioned. And sin has affected our lives on earth and even in eternity. And one of the most immediate effects of the fall is that mankind was separated from God. The once perfect union with him, they rebelled and this relationship was broken. Their sin was made aware and they're made ashamed. they were ashamed. They hid from him. And because of the fall, death became a reality and all creation was subject to it. Because of sin, death is inevitable. But there's grace in the unraveling. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In what? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is our hope. That means you have a choice of eternal death or eternal life, eternity with Jesus. You know, we're, we're created to glorify him and enjoy being in his presence. That's why we're created. A love for Jesus is key to what will bring pure joy in your life. And we need to be careful in relationships with selfishness 
because this is how it all started. Selfishness kills all relationships. Put others first. In God's grace, mercy, and love for us, God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross, to take the penalty of our sins, reconciling us with God and making eternal life with him possible. Jesus was the bridge between us sinners and God. What was lost at the fall was fully reclaimed at the cross. Adam and Eve, avalanche of sin was a horrendous one, but God showed the avalanche of grace was greater. Where do you need grace today, church? Where do you need grace today? Jesus, Jesus just wants to give us some grace today. Thankful for Jesus in my life. For all the times I've messed up. Be open to what Jesus has for you today. As we conclude today, I'm going to invite our prayer ministry team to come and make themselves available at the front right now. Today, some of you come with burden in your heart, a concern in your life. Maybe you know all too well, I think all of us do, what it's like to have to face the consequences of our own independence from God. Genesis chapter 3, in the most um, difficult kind of way, unpacks all these unravelings that occur in relationships and in reality. And as Pastor Trevor pointed out, in the midst of all this bad news, we find hope is embedded in a picture that points to Jesus. When things seem at their worst, when you feel at your weakest, God doesn't leave you, but in his grace, he shows up. And today, there may be a moment for some of you on a spiritual journey away from independence towards Jesus to receive prayer. There may be others and there's a need, there's a circumstance, friend, don't face it alone. Please let one of these people pray with you today. Let's pray as we conclude now. Father, I thank you for your great work in our lives. It's all grace, we've deserved none of it. In fact, I think we were deserving of you kind of crumpling up the paper and tossing it aside. Instead, you came as close to us as possible through Jesus Christ to walk this earth and bring hope, bring help, for every person, every circumstance. Now we go into your world on your mission. We wanna see your words, Jesus, your ways, your works in the everyday stuff of this week and we need your help. We declare our dependence upon you. We need you, your anointing, your spirit. We need each other. Thank you that you go with us now. In the strong name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I hope you'll turn to a few people and offer to buy them lunch today. Um, Greet one another, enjoy your afternoon. Please allow us to have the privilege of praying with you up front here if there is something that you need. There are discussion questions available if you are following along in a group online. You can see this on your screen in the room. It's on the screen. It'll also be on our church website this week. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app 
by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.